this week we added 22 chairs to that's amazing <laughs> I'm just humbled and honored that uh, the the heart of giving that is here at harvest and 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 how people God is moving on them to give super abundantly and so we're close to a third of the way and we just started in April amen amen yes amen uh, so uh, just uh, then uh, the last uh, announcement would be and that's just awesome there would be uh, uh, Larry's having uh, a security luncheon for our security Larry Sosha and and those of you who know about that be a part of that amen Amen. Well, I want to welcome our Facebook. Are we good with Facebook? No, we're not good with Facebook. Okay, we're having some glitches. So, uh, sorry about that. <laughs> you have to let the people know, hey, you got to go online to get this message uh, later. Uh, let's take a moment and pray. Father, I humble myself before you, and I ask that you speak through me to give to your people today what they need. I recognize it in myself that I have nothing good to say, but I ask that the power of the Holy Spirit speak and uh, declare your heart, your word to your people. It's in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. Uh, I'm just going to put us all again on the fast track, Romans 8, the second week in our series, working for our good, working for our good and expected end. Uh, Romans 8, 28. Uh, Romans 8, 28 is our text. It says, and, and we know that for those who love God, somebody shall love God. We talked about that last week uh, on loving God. Those who love God, all things work together for good. Now, how many want to be a part of that group that all things work together for good? All right. Well, there's a stipulation here. There's this thing about loving God, loving God. And we said last week, uh, uh, the word love is the word agape. Agape. Agape means actively doing what the Lord prefers with him by his power and direction. How many of you know that we can act kind, we can act loving, but we're not going to operate in that love of God, that agape of God without the power of the Holy Spirit in our life? Can't do it. You could be a nice person. People do that. People strive in their life. I remember being in the service and speaking to an officer. We were in the Philippines and we were talking how that he was born into sin. He didn't like that. And all, all humanity is. He goes, I'm a good person. I'm a really good person. And he began to argue with us. And he was contentious. He said, I didn't really, I've never killed anybody. I've never, I said, well, if you've broken one part of the law, you're guilty of all. That's God's standard. That's why we need God's grace in our life and forgiveness. Amen. And so, so this love of God, we're only able to operate in this, this Greek word love, by the power of the Holy Spirit in our life and receiving Christ in our life. How many with me say amen? Amen. We'll continue on with our verse here in Isaiah 46, verse 9 to 10, was our text uh, last week, and I just want to read verse 9. It says, remember what happened long ago. For I am God, God says, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Well, I like to say amen to that. That's true. Then he goes on to say, I declare the end from the beginning. What do you mean by that? I declare the end from the beginning. And he goes, and from what is still an ancient times, for what is still to come, I say, my purposes will stand, and all my good pleasure I will accomplish. You know, I like that word. That's, that's like God saying, I'm going to do what I want to do. Do you want to be a part of what God's doing? 
I do, I do. So I declare the end from the beginning. And so last week, we painted the picture of a movie scene, and I had some little index cards up here, and, and I said that how in theater, in movies, they usually start the final scene. That's what they have, the end result, the final scene of the movie. Then they work backwards, and they create the movie. And, and, and I said you had to decide how you want the movie to end. And so once you establish the ending, then you work backwards, and you fill in the details. And, and this is what yeah, I, I sense that God... God does in our lives. God does in our lives, especially based on this verse, what he's doing for each and every one of us who love him, who love him. So the scripture says, God declares the end from the beginning. So what does that mean? That means when God planned out our life, I believe this, he started with the final scene. How many know the final scene is a good scene? I mean, even as a believer, if you move to heaven, how many know that's a promotion? We don't really believe that, but we, it is really, <clears throat> it's a promotion. And, and he starts with the final scene and he starts where he wants you to end up. He has a final destination. It's good. It said for those that love God. And I just threw out a couple of things about how do we love God? Yet it's giving, giving God our heart wholeheartedly. Amen. The Bible talks about that in Matthew chapter 15. Let God uh, take charge within us and so that we're at one mind and one spirit with the Lord, allowing him to work in us. And that's, that's challenging at times, but, but that, that's, that's a start. Another thing is we should love what God loves and hate what God hates. Amen? And, and, and do what our, uh, uh, do our utmost to defend God's work. John 14 talks about that. And so we need to be vigilant in that. And the Bible says that, that God has established our end when we love him. And, and, and that, 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 that God has a good plan, I believe, for our life. But not without detours. And we'll get in that in a moment. Any good movie, there's going to be twists and turns. Isn't that right? There has to be. And... Um, you may be saying or in a scene right now and you think, you know what? I'm supposed to be going in this direction, but I'm going in the opposite direction. I didn't plan that. I don't know what's going on here. And my goal, I thought, was over here, but why am I headed in this direction and it's the wrong way? How many have ever felt that? What does that mean? You know, there are going to be scenes that on their own don't make sense. Scenes in our life that happen. It's like, this is crazy. I've been doing everything I thought I know to be to, to be right, to be operating in obedience. Come on, somebody, amen. But it just doesn't make sense, this scene. And if you stop right there, whether it's an untimely death, maybe it's a divorce, sickness, uh, maybe there's a loss, uh, something didn't work out for your good, and you're just thinking, it looks like this, is, this scene is getting the best of me. It's not your final scene. I said it's not your final scene, Amen. How many of you are still breathing here this morning? <laughs> Most of you, okay. If you're still breathing, your movie's still going. It's still going. It's still going. And, and you may be in a difficult time in a season right now, something that you don't understand, negative report, whatever it may be, a setback in finances. Let me just say this and throw this out here. Uh, this is a, uh, a statement. You got to remind yourself. You got to remind yourself. For some reason, we're not getting this to work. Help me, guys. You must remind yourself that this is not how your story ends. God has an expected end. Can you say amen? So let me just continue here uh, very quickly. The creator of the universe, most God almighty, I believe he has laid out and planned our days for good and not evil. That's the God we serve. But we live in a fallen world. 
Bad things do happen to good people. And we see that and we hear that constantly about what's going on in our day and age. But here's the thing. You need to keep moving forward. Because if you keep moving forward, at some point along the way, there's going to be another twist. There's going to be another turn. There's never going to be another scene, a good break, a promotion, that breakthrough, and you're going to arrive at that answer. Uh, a, a perfect example was this. My wife and I were out at the, at the church's job site. And uh, uh, we were just standing there just, just last week and made a short little video. And I looked around and how they've got the... The, the city water main is in and the city sewer is in. It's already packed down and they're, they're leveling, out, leveling out the parking lot and pulled out all the black dirt, filling it in, compacted, and it's taking shape. It's beautiful. And I, I just look at it and I just thought, what if we would have quit? I'm telling you, there's many times, you know, preachers usually quit every Monday. Sometimes it's Sunday afternoon, but, but, but you know, I've been there, and, and, and there are times, especially I can remember the date, November 24th, 2019, we had a meeting here at the church, and we just basically laid it out to the church, and, and some of you were there and said, if you can stay after service, stay, and a, a large amount of people stayed, and we just made the announcement, said, church, we can't build this building, we can't do it, it's out of reach, we just, we just don't have the resources, and, and it was just like an impossible situation, it was one of the saddest Sundays of my wife and I, uh, pastoring this church, starting this church in our living room. Here we are, two, a couple years later, God said, now's the time, you can do this. I'm like, what, really? God, did you know this is probably one of the worst times in the world globally to do this? And people are in hiding, you know? But God said, when God says to do something, how many you know it's gonna come to pass? And it's happening, and it's not because of my smarts. I tried everything, and it didn't work. And I had to trust the Lord even in that. But, but, but my point is, is that, 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 that we just got to keep moving forward. If we were to quit, and there was many times we wanted to quit, thought, you know what, maybe we just took it as far as it could go, and, and that was it, and, and, and God had other plans. We don't know, but we just stayed steady. We leaned in, and God brought it to fruition. Somebody say amen. I don't know how to weave that all together. Only God does in our life. Did you hear that? Only God can weave that together. And I see this principle in the life of Joseph in the Old Testament. I don't remember Joseph in, the, in Genesis. Look quickly. Uh, God destined him to become a great leader. He destined him to rule a nation, to help the Israelites during a time of famine. God destined that. So his end had already been established. God had already said, Joseph, this is what the plan is I have for your life. He showed him a dream as a young man. And, and the Bible says that uh, he was uh, the father's favorite child. And he went around wearing this coat of many colors. And, and the coat represented favor. And, you know, I, I know what it's like to grow up in a family not be the favorite. Come on, somebody. Amen. <laughs> you know, if you look at your neighbor, you go, I don't know what he's talking about. You're the favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, I grew up with eight brothers and sisters, okay? So it was big family. Whenever time we'd go shopping, dad and mom would say, all right, get eight gallons of milk, get 20 loaves of bread. I mean, I, I was embarrassed, you know, picking up all this food. Felt like I was feeling, feeding cattle or something. But, but you know what? It was something happened. This twist happens at age 17 to Joseph. It's unusual twist. And his brothers were jealous, and they sold him into slavery. They sold him into slavery. And I think about it, how it's interesting. The twist happened with family first. You know, Satan is attacking the family in America. 
He has been attacking, but it is super accelerated. He's attacking the core of this nation. Ronald Reagan said, all great change in America begins at the dinner table. How many remember the dinner table? I mean, I, I remember as a kid, we had a long table and, and we all sit down and all of us were there and people were yakking and, and the mom put the food in and, and uh, it was just the dinner table. We, we don't have the dinner table anymore. For those of you families that are fighting for that and, and family and dinner table, God bless you. Your work is sacred. Do you hear me? Your work is honoring. It's God honoring. It's sacred. It's well-pleasing to the Lord. And Satan is attacking it. And how does he do it? He does it through hatred. And that is what he's doing in America. Hatred. Hatred between races. Hatred between people groups. That is not the spirit of God. The Bible says where there is envy and strife, there's every evil work. Every evil work. You know, Dr. Martin Luther King, who was the most visible civil rights movement activist, who was a Baptist minister in the 1950s, I want to give a couple quotes that he said, which is, it's amazing that he even said this, but the type of caliber a man was a, a godly man. He says, we may have all come on different ships, but we're all in the same boat. That smacks right in the middle of critical race theory today. You know, half of this country is the, the states are overturning that being taught in our schools. Thank God for that. We need that in Minnesota. I'm just going to tell you. It's, we need that. This is crazy. It is divisive. This is hatred. It is hatred towards one another. He said, we must learn to live together as brothers or perish together as fools. Dr. Martin Luther King said that. Critical race theory. What is it? Controversial, controversial philosophy. Progressive idea that proponents say can increase racial equality, which uh, critics, critics describe as Marxist, anti-American, and neo-racist. That's what Fox News said on, on that. It is a divisive, hear me, discourse that pits people of color against white people. It is demonic. Can I get an Amen. It, it seeks to diminish the reality that we're all unique and precious in God's eyes. Our individual destiny is up to our God-given talent, drive, and ambition, not what someone else thinks about us. Can I get an amen? Here's the thing. States are overturning this and not allowing it, and we need to pray for the state of Minnesota and don't allow this in our public schools. Can I get an amen? Author Vody Bachman in his book, Fault Lines, he said, the current concept of social justice is incompatible with biblical Christianity. This is the main fault line and at the root of the debate. He goes on to say, our problem is social justice versus biblical justice. Our problem is a lack of clarity, charity, in our debate over the place, priority, practice, and definition of justice. And I would say amen to that. Why did I say all that? Because Satan is out to destroy, to pit family, cultures against one another, and that's not the heart of God. Can you say amen? So continue. This is what we, the brothers of Joseph wanted to kill him. Just think of getting to that point, killing your own brother. And that is a spirit that is a spirit of murder that's being unleashed on our nation. But we're going to stop that. We're going to turn the tide to that. We're going to see change in our nation. Amen. The Bible says in Genesis 37, they saw Joseph from afar. And before he came near them, he, they, they conspired against him to kill him. And they said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him under the pits. Pits is preachers in training. Uh, pits is usually where we get trained. And sometimes we wind up in the pit. But God teaches us a lot of things. See, here's the thing. Joseph, he could have thought at this time and been discouraged. You know what? I must not have heard God. I, uh, this scene is going totally contrary to what God promised and spoke to me in a dream. He showed me this. I'm convinced of this. He showed me in a dream that I'd rule a nation. 
but it's not happening. No, somehow Joseph understood this principle. He knew that it was just a scene in his life. He knew, he didn't know how long, but that scene would pass. He knew, he knew the end had already been established. He knew that he had to just keep being his best, even, even when he was thrown into prison. Scripture says he was lied about. He was falsely accused. They put him in prison. Another unusual twist. And it looked like he was moving away from his destiny. What is the test in life? The main test in life is this. Will you stay in faith? Watch this. Will you stay in faith when you're doing the right thing, but the wrong thing is happening? That is hard. Come on. Am I speaking to people here? Amen. It's hard. I'm not making that easy. That's how you're doing, you're doing the right thing. Or people misunderstand you. Your heart was right. It wasn't wrong and it just happened. And they're mad and they're hateful and they're mm, filling the blanks. We all understand that. Will you continue being your best even when you're not getting the credit? That's hard. Amen. So the key is staying passionate. Staying with a godly attitude, even though maybe that door closed, that door shut. You thought you would walk through that. You didn't get the promotion or you didn't get that job that you hope you got. Even when you believe you're moving in the wrong way, you still have a heart that's passionate and say, you know what, I'm going to trust the Lord in this difficult season. And am I speaking to anybody this morning? This is where Joseph excelled. He excelled in this. He just knew. He knew. Romans 8.18. Romans 8, 18 says this, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I just wrote underneath that, it's just not worth it. Can we say that this morning? Say, it's just not worth it. That's powerful when you think about it in this difficulty because the difficult things we go through in life, it over-encompasses us, whether someone says something hurtful to you or painful to you, or you're in a difficult, you feel a betrayal, whatever it may be. It's very hard to think in that scene that it's just a scene, and you, you're going to come through that. Amen? You're going to come through. Joseph excelled in that. You know, someone once said, greatness comes from the greatest sorrow. I think there's truth to that. The Bible says, Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. Hebrews 5.8. It didn't mean that Jesus was disobedient in his will and heart to the Father, but how many of you know this was the first time God Almighty, he came in to the flesh as a human being. And so the flesh, that flesh side to him, he learned obedience through the things he suffered. And I looked up that word suffered, and it actually means this. It's the Greek word pasko. So you maybe think about that and write that down. P-A-S-K-H-O. And actually, this is what it means when it talks about suffering. See if you can relate. It means I am acted upon in a certain way, either good or bad. How many, how many of you have been acted upon in a, a good or bad way this past week? Many of you. Many of you. Whether good or bad. It means this. It means ill treatment. It means heavy emotion. It means persecution. Jesus suffered. Do you think we're not going to and walk through it? Well, that's not a good uplift message, Pastor Mike. But it's a fact. It's a fact of life. Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. And here's the thing. Suffering does not mean something is wrong. It means something is great. Can you say amen? Stand with me if you would, please. You know, I remember a situation as we conclude here, uh, some other translations say the present suffering cannot be compared. What we now suffer, the Bible says, I count as nothing in comparison. Another verse says, the sufferings of this present life are infinitely overbalanced 
by that glory which shall be hereafter be discovered in us. Wow. You know, in prison, Joseph, he didn't fall apart. I don't know if I'd do so good. <laughs> but I know firsthand of a situation of a minister, a traveling minister. Some of you remember uh, Clint Rogers. He was an evangelist we had in here over the years. In the early 2000s, when the, uh, uh, the, uh, the banks collapsed in 2007 and 8, and uh, he was uh, actually got pinned upon, and uh, he was part of an investment, and, and a lot of the stuff he didn't know was going on. Regardless, he gets five years. They hammer him. He's a traveling minister preaching the gospel, holding crusades. And uh, the FBI comes in, breaks his door down. I'm like, you could open the door if you knocked. And they arrested him. And, and I mean, it was just a horrible situation. And, and they sentenced him to more than even the bankers that stole the money. They sentenced him to five years in prison. And when we heard that, we went to prayer. Prayed every Sunday. Every Sunday for him. It just, just it, God would strengthen him while I was in. There'd be some kind of breakthrough. We actually wrote letters. I wrote letters to the, some people in the church. We wrote letters. We wrote letters to the warden because she was they, they they were restricting him to share the gospel and pass out Bibles. He was started to have Bible studies and uh, some gang members were getting born again and he was having an impact in the prison. He he thrived in it and it wasn't that he didn't suffer. His wife would have to the judge sentenced him 500 miles. That's the furthest you could. For a prison and so the wife had to drive 12 hours just to go see him and she could only see him every few weeks with the little kids agonizing time we prayed we prayed wrote a letter to the warden and, and said this is you know this isn't right he should be able to share his faith freely if people want to and she wrote back a letter and and, and i wasn't disrespectful and within a month he was transferred to another prison with minimum security in Oklahoma <laughs> and his wife and her family were there so she moved there and they were close and uh, he actually got a time where he got out and released and we actually had him in here in the church to speak some of you remember that and they shared their testimony powerful uh, what God did in his wife what am I trying to say Joseph kept doing the right thing that's an extreme example I just shared with you but you know what we all go through difficult things we all go through trying things God hasn't expected in. Joseph kept doing the right thing. 13 years, watch this, after he was sold into slavery. And one day he interprets a dream for the most powerful man on earth at that time, Pharaoh. Pharaoh was so impressed that he brought him out of prison. They shaved him, they washed him, they cleaned him up, sent him before Pharaoh, and they put him in charge of the whole nation. He saw his dream come to pass in one day. What we breathe over is 13 years. Hmm. I said it's 13, that's 4,745-ish days, give or take a few. Are you following with me? That's 156 months. Where are you, God? Where, where, where are you, God? I've been praying. I've been trying. I've been getting out. I've been seeking the Lord. I, I decided to take my family to church and start seeking the Lord now and where are you, God? Why is this thing happening? 675 weeks, God, where are you? But God came through. The scene will change. I said the scene's going to change. I said the scene's going to change in your life. That scene will change, and you'll come into that miracle. You'll come into that breakthrough. You'll come into that time where, oh, God has moved on your behalf. But suffering is part of it. She's part of it. Every head bowed here this morning, if you will. 
if Joseph was here today, Joseph physically could get up and he would stand and say, Pastor Mike, I'd like to say one word to this congregation. It's this, don't get discouraged by the detours. Don't get discouraged by the twists of life, by the things you don't understand. Don't get discouraged because God will see you through. Joseph was brought out of prison. He interprets the dream. He's put as the second most powerful person in Egypt at that time. And he gets married. He has kids. He has a family. And restoration continues even with his family. The point is, is Joseph didn't quit. In prison, he still was he still was excellent. He did the best he could. In the time in that scene of suffering, he leaned in. He said, God, I don't understand this. I know you have a promise for me, but I'm going to trust you that your promise is going to come to pass. And it did. And it will in your life. With every head bowed here this morning as a pastor, I've not really surrendered my life wholeheartedly to God. This is a great day for you to do that. I know most of us church family in here, but I don't know where everyone is at spiritually. Maybe you're here, you've never made that commitment. You say, like, well, I've already always believed in God. Believing is one thing. The Bible says the devils believe and they're not going to make it to heaven. We preach and teach that you need to be born again. You need to be converted. How do you do that? You accept Christ. You receive him. You repent of your sin. You invite Jesus in your life to be Lord and Savior. That's how you become saved, born again. You surrender your life to him. You make him Lord of your life. He said, you know, I, I've never done that. This is a great day to do that. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, now is the time. Today is the day to do it. So I want to pray with all of you here this morning. And I just ask you to repeat this prayer. If you're already born again, just j j join in uh, just to help affirm those that may be praying this for the first time. Say this would be, say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I give you my life. Now take it. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. This day, I make a decision to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you prayed that, you meant that, God meant that. And the Bible says, you're born again. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. And God is with you. And our heart here is to help you along the way, get you connected, help you grow, help you grow in your faith and your family, that you would have God's expected end for your life. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. I want to invite the, the altar workers at this time to come forward. And, and uh, they're safe people. They're here to pray, to minister to you, to love on you. Maybe there's something uh, you need a prayer of agreement with. Maybe you feel like I'm in the pit. Pastor, I'm in the pit. Not everybody is. Not, not, not everybody is. I know as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a nation, and especially globally, we all felt we've been in the pit locked up, and things are starting to loosen up right now. But, but I don't know about people's lives spiritually. They're at different places. Where are you at? Maybe you felt, I need prayer. I need hands laid upon me. I need a breakthrough in this area. I want to get out. I want to see this next scene that God has for me. They're here for you to minister to you. Amen, church. Let me just bless you. Father, I just thank you for each and every person here today. Those watching online, channel 181, I bless them. I thank you, Father God, for your presence right now. Lord, that we are challenged here today, but we are encouraged knowing that you are forever with us. Your word says you will never leave us or forsake us. And I thank you, Lord. We may be in a difficult scene. This too shall pass. 
There's another scene you have. There's a breakthrough. Lord, you're requiring us to lean in, to draw near to you, to love you in the midst of this. Lord, we don't serve you because you just bless us with all good things. We serve you because you're God, you're King, you're Lord, and you're Savior. Lord, help us to understand that. I bless the people of God today as they go forth. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. God bless you. God bless you this morning.